We've got test results on the all-new Cadillac XT4. We're gonna discuss Volvo's safety proposal, and then we talk for way longer than you could ever imagine about door hinges. Next on Talking Cars. Hey, welcome back. I'm Keith Barry. I'm Jake Fisher. And I'm John Lincove. Today we are going to go straight into some uh, news, an announcement from Volvo that they are going to be limiting the speeds, the top speeds on all their new cars to 112 miles an hour. And that, that number rounds off a little better in, uh, in the metric system. But 112, uh, it, it seems kind of a, a high top speed. Jake, what do, what, do you, what do you think about this and why are they doing this? Well, initially, it was kind of a strange one, right? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not sure how many people, you know, are buying their Volvo XC uh, 90s and, you know, really need to drive 115 or looking to do some track or events really or something like cars. that. Or really most cars. Or most cars. Yeah. I mean, the truth is that not a lot of people are really driving that speed. So so then you're like, well, okay, well, but crashes, you know, or a lot of, well, I mean, the truth is, is that if you're driving 110 miles an hour, still really dangerous. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, the amount of crashes that actually happen above mm -hmm. those speeds is yeah. just minuscule. Particularly in the US. <clears throat> Particularly yeah. in the US. So, so the question is, why are they doing it? And I have a theory. Mm -hmm. What's your theory? My theory. Now, Volvo is serious about safety, right? I mean, so Volvo has a, has a reputation about safety. People buy Volvos because they're like, hey, I want the, the safest. Mm -hmm. And what is the metric of safety? So safety is, well, there's crash protection and there's the tests that we do and all that. But also really comes down to is how many people are dying in the cars. And they want nobody to die in Volvos, which is That's admirable. a stated yeah, goal. There's zero, That's a stated goal. Yeah. zero death, right? Which totally makes sense. Now, the dirty little secret about deaths is that a lot has to do with who drives the cars. So actually, so you could look at all the crash protection data and we have it all on our site, but actually there's a site called at HLDI, the HLDI, Highway Loss Data uh, Institute. And you can go and you could look and see how many crashes are in each one of these cars. And ultimately that's the measure of the deaths in these vehicles and, 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 and the crash in these vehicles. And so I'm thinking about it. So like, okay, so I'm buying a car, right? So a certain amount of people are going to be, there's certain enthusiasts and, you know, you know, gasoline pumping through your veins. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be like, I don't want to buy that car because it can only go 112. Well, if you could get those people to stop buying your car, chances are there's going to be less crashes in your cars. Mm -hmm. Because the type of person who's going to be turned off from a car not going that speed, maybe if you're Volvo, it's like, well, maybe I don't want that demographic in my car. And ultimately, hmm. you're going to have less deaths in your cars, which is going to make your, your well, brand look better. And it's they're not getting like adverse selection, I think. In like the insurance industry. I well, think. they're not yeah. getting young buyers anyway in Volvos. So that's a high percentage of people who have right. accidents. You know, so right now they're tar you're getting rid of, like you said, the, the risky. And they're going right. to have older, older, more affluent buyers. Sure. I mean, I don't even know what the, the Europhiles, particularly in Europe, you know, in Germany are going to say. They're, you know, don't do it to my Porsche. Don't, they're already freaking out about electrics and yeah. automatic transmission. And 112 on the Autobahn is, is dangerous. Someone is, someone is on your tail. I've been in a Volvo yeah. at 112, and that Mercedes comes up really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Back. yeah, or the, the guy in the Fiat Panda right. comes up right, for right, some right. reason, <laughs> comes up real fast. You know, it, yeah. it's, it's, very, it's a very interesting <laughs> point. Um, you know, what about, you know, high-speed AEB? automatic emergency braking you know it slows you but it's not preventing right and 112 mm -hmm. it's useful ish right so. well another yeah. point i, I want to make is that if you look at the pilot assist system so this is a this is a kind of this uh this um 
automation system that they have. Like a driver on, assistance system, right? Yeah. Well, it's kind yeah. of like Volvo's version of, auto, of Tesla's autopilot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they really care about safety, they put some more safeguards on this system. Like, for instance, if a driver falls asleep, they would, it should stop the car. They're not doing that. So, so I think there's an opportunity there if they really want to make the car safer. Take a close look at that. Well, it's an established system. It's yeah. a low-hanging fruit, so to speak. What I think right. it, what they, they should really do here, though, I think this is this is heading in a really interesting direction. Because, I mean, we look at, I mean, you can look at, at uh, geofencing a car for speed limits. Mm -hmm. uh, 112, not many people in the U.S. are going to get up to that anyways. But think about, like, a, 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 a city center where there are lots of pedestrians. And, you know, there's data out there that shows that if you're driving 23 miles an hour, 10% if you hit a risk of death if you hit a pedestrian, risk of death for the pedestrian. 42 miles an hour, that goes up to 50%. So think of all the times that you thought, oh, I'm a little late for a meeting, and you're kind of going through somewhere downtown, you're a little somewhere unfamiliar, driving a little fast. Now, if I were geofenced and I could only go, say, 25, or even just an alarm went off right. and could tell, uh, that's where I think the future, and that's controversial because I realize you're taking away that, you know, that freedom. But at the same time, I think it can be, especially with today's cars that isolate you so much from the road, that right. the sensation of speed just isn't there. And mm -hmm. we've talked about that in some cars that are just, oh my God. I'm going. I'm going 90 miles an hour, and I didn't even realize it. No, I, I think not I, in the city center, but you well, know. No, but I think yeah. you're exactly right because I don't think there's a big problem with a lot of Volvo drivers going 120, or a lot of any car drivers. But there drivers. probably yeah. is a big problem with a lot of, you know, Volvo drivers in the city center going 50 into 25. So yeah. uh -huh, and they're not addressing uh -huh. that. And I think also it's an interesting, you know, getting away from this whole idea of top speed is what makes a car great. I mean, a, a, a drag racer can, <laughs> has a really high top speed, and that doesn't make for a great car. And I think you can, you can move towards, you know, it's sort enough, of a purpose-built thing. And you can move away <clears throat> from that, oh, we had to limit it to 155 miles an hour for the Autobahn. <laughs> and you, you know, and, but you can, you, can, you can get towards what makes a car good. It, it, yeah. it, it's its handling, it's the fact it can be light, it's engaging to drive, and that has nothing to do with top speeds as far as I'm concerned. So you're saying basically people aren't buying Volvo Volvo SUVs because of the time around the Nurburgring. Yeah, that, yeah no, that is not what. That's the, not the what makes people thing? buy those cars. We won't put that in our ratings. I don't I'm think sure so. I'm sure there's a press release about it when the car was released about <laughs> some kind of performance. Of course, but, of yep. course. I, I mean, this is this is going to be controversial, but I think this is where this is headed. Is that we're going to start to see some restrictions on what cars can do in certain places, and maybe automakers have to figure out how to market themselves away from. Uh, away from numbers that don't matter to the average consumer. Right. And that's, you know, we see Mazda doing that with that sort of fun to drive aspect. And we sure. see automakers doing that with what it offers. So hmm. no, I, I don't right. know. I think it's a step in the right direction. But, you know, let us, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll tell us what you think out, out in the comments. So to a car that did not advertise its top speed around the Nürburgring, <laughs> there's the, we, we just finished testing a, a car, the, the Cadillac XT4. It's a, Premium, luxury, entry level. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all a lot the of adjectives. adjectives yes. Yeah, it uses all the words. It's a uh, so we call it an entry level luxury SUV. Some people okay. may call it a subcompact luxury SUV. Basically, it competes with the Audi Q3, the BMW X1, um, you the know, Lexus, Lexus new UX, UX. You know, all these very small models. And it was a great, great car. It's a great car to drive. Mm -hmm. um, they they have. They've updated the Cadillac user interface system, which is 
the acronym was Q. Mm -hmm. uh, it now has a knob. It, it we has don't call some it hard buttons. Nope. I don't know. I, the new Q is not. People the, are still talking about the, the new CTS Q as the Katerra yeah. touring sedan. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's all the acronyms. <clears throat> well, what happened to the Eldorado is what yeah. I'm no. So anyway, we'll table, <laughs> we'll table that. So it, it has a nice interior. It has a lot more hard buttons. So it's easier to get in and out of the infotainment system. And this is a Cadillac that's really trying to get away from that, that prior uh, image of Cadillac. This is meant for yeah, younger I mean, it's, buyers. It's a younger entry. Yeah. Bring, a, bring a buyer in Cadillac. I mean, uh, GM even says, you know, it's it's going to bring in either an older buyer who's downsizing. Mm -hmm. It might bring someone into the into the brand. Again, it tested really well in our road tests, but we had to spend a ton of money to get any of the advanced driver assistance systems, mm. the safety systems like forward collision warning, automatic emergency braking, and. You know, that Cadillac's reliability isn't great. You know, it, some of those things do hurt it. And it becomes a, a, an iffy value because mm -hmm. of all the money you have to spend. You know, it has a great entry-level price, but then you get uh, all-wheel drive, and then you get the safety systems, and, and all of a sudden the price balloons up to towards a $50,000 mark. Now, the, the one thing that you, you can only get in this car, and I, I spent a little time with it, is there. I, I counted about eight badges that let me know that it was a Cadillac yeah. from the driver's seat. But under underneath this car is is not entirely it's not it's not entirely unique. Right? Well I mean the yeah. truth is is that I mean the dirty little secret about this entire category mm. is that these are basically inexpensive vehicles that kind of have a body on it that make it look like this luxury vehicle. So underneath most of these cars in this category is, I mean, they're front drive, they're basically yeah. sub small SUVs. Ours is all wheel drive, but it's, but it's, but based, it's based on front a front drive. Right, yep. exactly. Just, they're, they're front drive yeah. based, which yeah. is different from, you know, yeah, look, even what the you BMWs, like which are all historically rear wheel drive, is a front drive. <coughs> front drive the yep. BMW X1. Right, and two. Right into like but the mini, yeah. Well, if, if the X3, the X5, they're rear yeah. drive based. That's these are actually premium. really nice driving vehicles. Mm. X1, not so much. So what you've got is basically these small SUVs, and small SUVs you could buy all day for twenty five thousand, thirty thousand dollars. Even with lots of equipment, you're talking thirty two, thirty three. You got leather, you got all these features. What you don't have is the, the 12 badges right. that says, look, I'm in a luxury car. But what you wind up doing is getting a much better value and very often a car that actually drives better. Sure, sure. Which yeah. is crazy. Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before <clears throat> with the subcompact, just regular SUV, and it's, it's kind of a, an annoying category because, like, you know, you start optioning it up to be comfortable and right. quieter, you know, because they are subcompact cars underneath, which are built to a low price. You know, and you start approaching a compact SUV class, which is bigger, which has f more features standard, which is probably quieter <clears throat> as well. Right. In this category, we talked about, uh, I think, the BMW X1 and X2. And I said, just buy a Mazda CX-5. You get a loaded Mazda sure, yeah. CX-5. It's touring, bigger, you limited, whatever. You get the, the exactly. actual benefits of an SUV. And it doesn't. it's not like these cars drive really small. It doesn't drive like a com. It's not yeah. like you're scooting around the city in a smart car. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's yeah. a substantial <clears throat> automobile. Sure. Yeah. You know, see, I mean, again, you want to believe the marketing hype and it's, you know, going to carve up the Nürburgring following that Volvo, you know, <laughs> great. But if you're looking really for a value, that, that's where it at. It is at. Mm. You know, the Mazda, fine. You, you know, you may not like Mazdas. You may be a little <clears throat> more geared towards a Honda CRV. Again, loaded it up, 
still comes in way underneath these, these and other those interiors vehicles. now are actually are quite they're nice. Very, they're I got to nice say the, the XT4 is is I appreciated how it was designed, yep. very minimalist, but it, it didn't give me thirty thousand dollars more enjoyment over right. some of the competition. Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the truth is that right. I mean, you look at it and it, it's almost like this category was designed in this labs. Like, what do people want? They want SUVs. Mm -hmm. They want luxury. They want good price. Yeah, you can't have the all Venn, those things. The Venn diagram yeah. of yeah, you <coughs> the marketing segments. You, you, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. You got yep. two. You can have all three. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, is it's bringing people in it's a niche and then we're going to see the coupe version you know like mercedes does in bmw you know you have the suv then you have the coupe version of the suv and the xt three and a half <clears throat> yep you know and, it, and it's and it's filling in these places you know because someone else does it mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's a fine car to drive um but again questionable value we're going to have the full ratings online soon up at up at cro and, and consumerreports.org yep. so yep. check that out when that's up soon excellent so enough about that on to your questions and remember if you want to uh, get your question answered uh, by this illustrious panel of experts, send it over to talkingcars at iCloud.com. Now, we don't have any video questions this week because you didn't send any in. So please, make yourself a star. Uh, send, it to, send it to us, and we'll, we'll put you on there up next to us and, and make you look good. Uh, so the first question is from Byron. Uh, Byron from Baltimore asks, a friend of mine told me that whenever he drives a car, he lowers the steering wheel so that the center of the wheel is pointing at his chest, not his face. He claims if the airbag deploys, it will cause less harm to the driver if, you, if it hits you in the chest. Is there a consensus of opinion among safety experts regarding how best to position the steering wheel? Well, first of all, I mean, the fact that he's concerned about where that steering wheel is, mm. he's not wrong. Mm -hmm. It really does uh, make a big difference of where that steering wheel is. But it's not about the tilt. I mean, the truth is when the airbag goes off, it's a pretty big bag. It's going to, it's, it's supposed to support your head. I mean, if mm -hmm. it was actually small and down here and your head went flying, and that doesn't necessarily make anything better. It'd be like they video the guy on the cannonball. <clears throat> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and you have to film it in slow motion. <clears throat> yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And airbags don't go in slow motion like no. all the videos. They actually <laughs> come up pretty hard. But what he should be concerned about is less so that tilt, but more so the distance. Mm. That is actually a really important thing. So a lot of cars have the telescopic steering wheel and, and of course, where you sit. Now, if you ever see those, you know, somebody who's driving the car like this, it's where like their their elbows are on the steering wheel, like that. It looks like they're hanging one of those Garfields hanging off with the suction cups <laughs> hanging off the wheel. Nice. Yes, and I, you you see these people who are driving the mm -hmm. car. That is actually quite dangerous because you're so close to that airbag when it goes off, it doesn't even time to inflate. You're actually getting smacked with it pretty hard. What mm. you want to do is actually. Um, you don't want the steering wheel too far away from you. I mean, there's some people who are really scared. They're kind straight of straight like armed, right? Straight armed yeah. there, and that gives you problems because you can't really steer, in the, steer the wheel that easily. What you almost want to do is you want to set up so the steering wheels like rest. Put your arms out straight. Rest your 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 wrists on the top of the steering wheel, and that's going to give you a pretty good location of where that steering wheel is. You're going to have your your arms a bit bent, but not too bent, and that's going to be a good location. That's important. So not so much the tilt, but Put it in the right spot to make that airbag function the way it should. And also, so John, also uh, what you do when your hands are on the wheel, where your hands are, also make a difference. It's no longer ten and two, right? Yeah, you get ten and two, nine and three in that in that area. I, th I think one of the things that you know Jake's talked about, you know, and you see if uh, yeah, driving on you know on our track or something like that, mm. you know, is that you don't cross your arms over. And I was taught to do that in driver's yeah. head, hand over hand turning. Yeah. Well, you know, you, if you yeah. could you could do a little more shuffle, you're not mm -hmm. bringing your arm across the airbag. So, mm. you know, especially if because if you're turning, you're... then you're going to be, you know, potentially yeah. coming into something on uh, oncoming, you know, and, and you'll, you'll break your arm, the, the force mm -hmm. of the bag. Mm -hmm. 
So I hope that clears it up and some important safety, safety tips there. So our next question says, hey, Talking Cars, I'm looking for some advice about how to care for an older vehicle. My grandma is selling me her 2006 Honda CRV EX. It has 130,000 miles and it's been maintained regularly at the original dealership where she purchased it new. I'm currently in law school, so my funds are low, but I do want to take just as good care of the car as she did. The car spent its life in Staten Island, but will now be with me in Boston. I've never owned my own car before, so any advice will be greatly appreciated. Thanks. I love the show. That's a that's a great question. That's a great question. Scrape off the Islander stickers the uh -huh. York, um, and the Yankee stickers. Yep. Moving up to, that's important. That's, that's important. Yeah. Safety advice. Um, I think it's great that she, that he's that she serviced it at the dealership always because mm. he can go and get the service records. If she didn't keep the paperwork, he can go and see what's been done and what hasn't been done. And assumingly, everything in the in the uh, you know manual. And he knows what, how as, the car has been taken care of its entire yeah, life. Yeah, maintenance yeah. manual is there, but he has every he has all the details. Mm -hmm. so, so first of all, I mean, this is the best way to get a used car, mm. you know, where you know the history of the vehicle, you know what has gone through and, and whatnot. So that's great. But, um, you know, really, it, it's, it's not rocket science. Every car has in the manual, they have what are the planned service suggestions for this car, what service you need to get done. Open up the book, look through it. You could, as John says, you could go and you could reference what's been done. If there's things that need to get done, just get it done. And, and you know, very often, I mean, a car like this, I mean, it's, it, it's going to be simple things. It's going to be stuff like, you know, the engine air filter, the interior air filter. These things are going to need to be replaced. And here's the, the, the secret about that is they're easy. It's so mm -hmm. easy to do some of these things. You don't have to bring it to a Honda dealer. You could bring it to any garage, mm -hmm. and you could even do it yourself. You could actually buy a lot of the filters, a lot of these simple maintenance things for this car. This car, it's a, it's a pretty simple car when you, yeah. when you come down to it. Mm -hmm. And you can replace these things yourself. You, um, so, Like you said, a local mechanic could do oil changes, you know, top off, right. you know, do, do antifreeze change or whatever, top it off of even if, because he's never exactly. owned a car before, maybe he's, you know, wants to yeah, take start, it Yeah, start the manual. Definitely start in yeah. the manual. And there'll be a section in the manual that explains about the regular things that you have to do with a car. And right. it's designed to kind of tell you, I think back, even especially back in 2006, the user serviceable things yourself. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, one thing to think of also, he should negotiate hard. With yes, grandma. with grandma. Yeah. <laughs> no. no, I actually have some tips specifically for, because he mentioned he's bringing it from somewhere that's a little more suburban to Boston. And, and this is something I'm familiar with. So my, actually, so my, my girlfriend's in law school in Boston and has a car there. So she's in a similar situation. Uh, and the first thing you're going to know is that the car, it might look perfect right now. It's going to get dings. It's going to get dents. You're going to street park it. Someone's going to scrape it and not leave it a note. Uh, not leave a note. You're going to get curb rash. You know, you're going to hit those wheels a little bit. So don't get too precious about a car you're bringing into the city. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, also, you're going to have to find a place to put it. So street parking can get a little hairy sometimes. You have to make sure you, you move in in the right time, and it's going to interfere with your life. So what my advice might be, you know, having a, having a car can sometimes get really expensive and be a hassle in the city, especially when you're balancing that with your law school duties. So it may be worth it if you want to be able to go home for the weekends or do an occasional Costco run. Maybe keep the car at home for a semester and try like a Zipcar membership or something mm. because they're, they're pretty mm. much everywhere. They're on most college campuses. And that way you can sort of, you don't have one more thing to worry about. So the car show guy says don't get a car. Uh, I know, kinda... it's terrible. Or you could rent out your space. Yeah, I actually have a space that I'm renting out. If you can make it to Medford, uh, $100 a month, let me know. Uh, just, just kidding. But to your point, yeah. um, you know, you w may wind up not using this car a lot. Yeah. And that's honestly probably the worst thing you can do for this car. Mm. If this car sits a month, 
it's not going to be happy. So yep. even if you know you find you know take it out once a week. You yeah, start if it it's up, street parts, it. you can't plug it into like a battery tender or something, you know. So you have to worry about if it sits for sits for a mm-hmm. month, it might need a jump start. So sure. you know, get that jump box or a membership or live near a garage, right? Cool. So our next question uh, says, hi, Talking Cars. Thanks for becoming my favorite podcast. I'm glad we could get there. Um, I was opening my car door and it occurred to me, why haven't door hinge designs ever changed? Ooh, I like this question already. Um, There are many times where I find myself in a parking lot with very small spaces and the detents to hold the door in a position don't really work and I have to actively hold onto the door and squeeze out of the car. How come we haven't progressed to more than two detent positions on doors? Maybe even a ratcheting design where maybe every centimeter has a holding detent. That would be so useful. I, I love, love the this. urgency I love this. That, that, that you read that question with. I well, mean, I'm sure that's that's sort of how the how the person who asked it, getting out of the car, <laughs> the door squeezing is, out. The door and, is swinging and, just and in a parking lot parked randomly. next to a premium it, it, compact public. SUV and they don't want to ding the door on well, it. So, no. so, so we get we get the chance to drive a lot of cars here. Mm. But it seems yeah. like most most cars do have kind of the same idea when it comes to, to detents. So what, so what is a detent other than something I got in high school? <laughs> no. So so the detention of the door. So no. so right. So you, everyone knows these. Like you open up the door, right, and it kind of clicks one, and it clicks again, and then it goes all the way open. It kind of clicks there, so it stays in stays in place. And, and the purpose of these are for okay, so you're on a hill, right? And you open up the door, you don't want it swinging right into your leg. Mm-hmm. Um, you want it to hold there. The problem is, is that there's only a few detents. You run into the exact same thing here. So it's kind of like, okay, this isn't enough to get me out. I, cl- I go one more and it slams into the car next to me. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I mean, we get the chance to drive a lot of vehicles and some very expensive vehicles here too. And some vehicles have progressed past this mechanical detent um, way of looking at things. So, so if you get into like some very high-end vehicles like Mercedes-Benz S-Class and whatnot, they've actually gone electronic detent. Mm-hmm. So there's this new paradigm where you open the door, you put it wherever you want, and then it just basically hits the brakes there. Yeah. So you can put it wherever you want. So you have like this micro-adjusting detent So I can scenario. guess why this isn't on more cars though, right? Expensive and probably <laughs> yeah. brakes often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably the, the two things. So, so it's a very simple solution that, that the cars have right now. Mm. Uh, and I mean, there are some other solutions out there. We've seen other door designs. Yeah, they, they've uh, uh, t- Tesla uh, yeah. X Model X. The and and that the never wings breaks. That don't <laughs> okay. That that sometimes <laughs> breaks a lot. The Mister Mister wings that need to it, learn it's, to fly it's again. It's been trouble yeah. ma- troublesome uh, according to our reliability data from our our auto survey. Uh, mm-hmm. We experienced headaches with it. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting concept in the sense that you know it can open up in, <clears> in a tight area. It could open up where you have a lot of space. Um, but you know, like you said, expensive and. Prone actually, to breakage. And actually, minivans have a completely different sure. scenario here where yeah. you could open it and you have a big opening. And guess what? Those tend to break fairly often too. And that's one of the reasons. So, I mean, of course, I have to bring it to, to weird cars that haven't been sold here, but the Toyota Porte and the Peugeot 1007 are cars that actually had sliding driver's doors. They went above 900? Yeah, they, yeah, they, went, they went really high. <laughs> wow. Um, they both look kind of goofy if you look at Shocked. them. Shocked. Yeah, when you, when, you get, when you open the door, you kind of slide it back. I, I will say, you know, like, like the question comes, mm-hmm. I had a 1996 Audi A4, um, first new car I bought, I know. Someone will find it problematic, <laughs> and it had really solid detents, it, it, and it had almost hooks, you know, and it would it would go into the spot and it would really hold very well. And a lot of them you see now, there's it's almost like a, a hydraulic bar that goes in and out, and mm. you know, yeah, it's 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 a cost cutting measure as well. 
Yeah, but actually the solid details that you talk about have a downside too because when we, you know, some of those German cars that have those really, really stiff detents, like my kids would be in the back and they can't even open the doors because it's so heavy. So, so I mean, this is a mm -hmm. opportunity for burgeoning engineers to figure out a better way of doing it. Accordion, Accordion door. Yes. That would be awesome. <laughs> Lambo doors for everything. Yes. Well, you engineers. can. You can Lambo yeah. door the Civic. I'm sure you can Lambo door the CRV. Yep, Audi. just go on eBay. It's totally. The scissor doors. Don't, go on, don't go on eBay. Don't no, do don't that do to that. your car. Do Please don't do that to your car. All right. I think that's, that's enough talk about door hinges for today. But if you enjoyed this, this conversation, I'm sure you probably enjoy all the talking cars. So send us another question. We love questions like this. We love all your questions. Talkingcars at iCloud.com. If you want to find out uh, how to spell Hildy, check out our show notes. Uh, and thanks so much for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk cars again soon.